Welcome to the Blues Radio International Podcast. I'm Audrey Michelle. In this episode, we sit down with Walter and Marie Trout at the historical Horse Latitude Studios in Los Angeles. For the Blues Radio International Podcast, I'm Audrey Michelle. We're here at Horse Latitude's recording studio in Los Angeles with Walter and Marie Trout. What a great evening. It's, it's good, you know, we're making an album here. It's our 29th. Um, it's a lot of work. Um, I sort of made the mistake of coming in some months ago and recording six tunes and spending a lot of time on them and then deciding that only two of them were worth keeping. So I kind of started over again. So it's sort of been the endless record, but um, I'm hoping for good... Uh, results and right now you can hear Teddy Zigzag our keyboard player is off in the keyboard room putting a piano track on a song and um, you know this studio is owned by Robbie Krieger who's the guitar player from The Doors and I've been in a lot of studios and this one is my all-time favorite. There's an amazing amount of history here and you're adding to it with this album. This one's a little bit different for you. Can you tell us about it? Um, I, you know, I've written a lot of songs in my time, and it's something I love to do. And I have a large kind of backlog of songs, and songs are always um, occurring to me. And I just wanted to do an album of, um, how do I put it, song songs, not just 12 bars. Everything I do is still based in the blues, but this is taking it, some new ways and um so it's really fun for me we're experimenting we're trying lots of new things i'm actually trying different guitar sounds and um, different amplifiers and um you know i even played a gretsch guitar on a couple of tunes and um look out so we're we're trying to expand our musical horizons here and it's a lot of fun but it it is a lot of very focused work. Well, we can't wait to share this with the world. It's a pretty amazing process that's underway, and uh, you're making something very beautiful here. Well, thanks. We're honored to be here Thank you. to join you for it. We talked a lot yesterday about what you each went through, and I was wondering, Walter and then Marie, if you could tell me, what are some of the things you lost in this process and what are some of the things you gained? Myself, um, probably my biggest loss was uh, brain cells. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I had encephalopathy, which is minor brain damage. And some people come out of it and some people don't. I feel I'm very lucky. I did pretty well with it, but I still have problems sometimes with my vocabulary. Um, I really had to get speech therapy and um, really work on my speech when I after the transplant. And um, I will still have something happen to me. If I'm in the middle of a thought and somebody interrupts me, the thought goes away and my brain is, I'm a, I don't know what I was talking about. And um, that happens to me on stage. I'll be telling the story of what happened to me, or I'll be telling a story of a song that I'm about to do. 
and somebody will yell something out and I go blank. And um, so that that's something I lost there, you know. What are some of the things you gained in this process? As, as strange as that sounds for someone who's confronting this for the first time, there's some beautiful things that are happening on the other side. And I've seen it with you and your family. Why don't you answer first on that one? I think <clears throat> some of the things that I gained, <clears throat> again, is a gratitude for life um, that we didn't have before, an appreciation of everyday stuff um, that yeah. we just didn't have. We didn't consider it special to just have a regular day, and now it's our favorite thing. If nothing is really going on and it's just a normal day, it's the best. Yeah. Um, so I think that is a, a thing that's gained. Um, I think closeness within our family. We had some conversations and some experiences that made us bond in ways that we couldn't have done in any other way. Um, and I feel a, a real closeness and a lack of... We're not afraid of having conversation about difficult things now. Um, yeah. In the same way, mm -hmm. we, we have sort of been very transparent with one another, and that can that continue. I agree. I she just pretty much summed it up. Um, for me, I I came out of this with an entirely new perspective about life, about being here and being alive, and having a career, and having a the love of my life and having three great kids. And, um, you know, it, it will, you face death and it will change your perspective on things and your priorities um, pretty, pretty intensely, you know? And um, God, I am just glad to be alive and I'm enjoying it, whether I'm tired and I'm beat or, I got to be in the studio till 3 a.m. and play the same or sing the same song 50 times because I can't get it. It's still I'm, I'm so glad I get to do this and to be here with her and with you and get out and play music for people. I'm um, it's almost overwhelming the sense of gratitude. Yeah, I mean, having gone through facing that. I may never work in the capacity I've worked for the past 25, 27 years at the time you were sick was a horrifying thought because I've, I've been Walter's manager. We work together and it's such a big part of what we do. And so being faced with everything I have sort of known to do in my adult life professionally will be gone along with, with, with Walter and, and then to reclaim pieces of it, reclaim all of it. And in some ways, the career is stronger than ever. Um, I mean, it, it means something. Um, it's not just a job. It's not just a career. It's a vocation. It's a way to reach people. And all of that has also become richer because Walter tells his story. And the story is part of, it's not just the music anymore, it's a story of grit and survival and willingness to sort of fight f 
for what you love and what you believe in that we can now share and give hope to people. So it's it's more meaningful than that. Yeah, it's uh, trying to spread a little bit of light in the midst of a sometimes a very kind of dark world that we live in. You know, mm. bring a little joy to people. It's uh, it's it's. I always thought that being an artist was was a noble thing to do because you're just trying to bring some joy and some understanding to people, you know. And you're uplifting people. And yours is a story of resilience on multiple levels because we've talked about the major illness you face, but you're in the studio. Look at your finger. Yeah, I'm playing the whole album with, with three fingers because uh, I got a broken pinky, but I'm making it work. I'm the bionic man. I got one eye that works. I got a brand new liver. I got a broken pinky. Uh, hey, you know, but I push on. For more exclusive blues music content, you can visit bluesradiointernational.net, where you'll find our 24-hour music stream, all of our exclusive blues music content in one place, bluesradiointernational.net, because the only thing better than blues is live blues for the blues radio international podcast this is audrey michelle what words of encouragement do you have for people who feel like they just can't take one more hit you've had multiple hits and here you are joyously making a new album and it's a it's an honor to be here with you what what would you tell people i know this is a cliche but you know what never give up kind of says it all um, I admit there were times when I was in the depths of my illness where I kind of was ready to throw in the towel oh, yeah. and she would come to me and not allow me to. But um, underneath all of that, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to give up. Sometimes I just didn't have the strength. I was too weak. Um, but. I really think that that never give up. It's something you, you you aspire to. It's not something you're always capable of doing, but it's something to aspire to, to fight, to push on, and to just do the very best you can do with whatever circumstance you're in. You know, Marie, this is about as deeply a depressing thing you could get hit with as I can imagine in life. How? Does someone fight what naturally would come upon anyone in terms of a dark cloud? So it's not a constant ability to fight all the time. Nobody can do that. There are times where you just can't can't face it anymore and you, you're ready to throw in the towel and you lose the faith. Walter was so sick many times that I lost the faith, but only for a short period of time. Then I connected again to that, okay, there's still more things I can do. There's still more things that we can do. I, I have to hold out hope that hope, that's the word, is the antidote to, um, to giving up, is reconnecting to that hope and, and just finding it within because hope does not exist as a thing you seek out outside of yourself for me it it would appear inside but I had to go through the worry I had to go through some of the the thoughts of 
this is not going to work. And I had to accept those thoughts. I couldn't just let them, oh, I'm not going to have those thoughts. The, the way I connected to faith and to hope was to allow myself to have the, the dark thoughts. And then once I had faced them and I could see that, okay, yeah, that's there and that's very real. Then hope and faith could come in as, as little flickers of light that I could go for. But it's not a constant thing. You don't constantly have hope. You don't constantly have faith. You lose it once in a while. Then you reconnect to it. And that's okay. That's, yeah. that's how it is. Yeah. It's, it's something you aspire to. Yeah. And uh, it, with me, I'm painfully aware when I find myself thinking about giving up or feeling like oh, I'm too tired to do this. I can't do it. And I try to catch myself and go, no, wait a minute here. You know, you've got this second chance. Make the most of it, you know. No one can do this alone. How do, how do you find the people you can rely on at this time of very deep need? Well, I found the person I rely on, so I can't answer for anybody else, you know. Um, but I was just very lucky. I looked out in the audience in Denmark. And I saw this beautiful blonde and uh, immediately fell in love before I even spoke to her. And that was 30 years ago almost. How about your support system, Marie, as a caregiver who's now faced with this Herculean task of holding a family together, supporting someone you love, facing this? Who do you lean on? I think you really, I mean... You it's a, maybe a little bit of a cliche, and it's in bad times you know who your real friends are. You you yeah. you find out um, who you can be completely honest with when things are difficult, and you can tell them this is really difficult. And that's not necessarily something you want to put out there for everyone to see. And and it. it it is, however, something about being open with the ones that might have a chance to be able to support you. And, um, you know, it's, it's difficult because you, I struggled with, I both wanted to hold on tight to my, my pride and our integrity as a family and not let people know about what was going on. And at the same time, I found that I had to let people know what was going on in order to be able to receive support and help so that struggle was was there all along but as i started sharing about what was happening with walter it became easier and also the people would come to me with help um, because they were aware of what was going on i found that if i kept kept my stiff upper lip and i didn't share about anything people didn't know what was wrong and what they could do to help. So it was something about really um, carefully letting people in on what was going on so that they had a chance to voluntarily offer help. And um, once in a while, you know, if, if, if it was really necessary for me to ask very specifically what it was I needed. I need to drive Walter to the airport and I need the car back to our house 
I know it's dreadful to ask you to get up at 4 a.m., but would you do that for us? Because I need somebody to drive that car back. Um, things like that, where I could be very specific, then I could ask yeah. for help. And um, <laughs> my wife wants to go. I'm in the hospital in Omaha, and my wife, my wife wants to come back to California to see our son Michael graduate from high school. So we have a friend who she talks to and he flies out to Omaha and sits by my bed for almost a week. You know, um, that that's where you find out really who your friends are. He and, offered. Yeah. And he offered and he would be the one what um, he did a lot for us and he would offer, you know, as soon as he heard, what was going on. He's like, what can I do for you? And a lot of people will say, what can we do for you? But a lot of them with you, you know, well, how about this? Oh, I'm busy. But you know, so you find out who you can rely on and who, who, who has that depth of love and friendship for you that maybe you weren't even aware of before. You know, that's certainly what I found. Sometimes the people you thought you could count on for certain, you can't. But then for every one of those, there's someone who steps forward who you never thought was your yes. real friend who yes. does something so extraordinary that you never would have expected that it yeah. would be possible. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's a beautiful right. thing to experience in and of it itself. Is. Yeah. And I think for people who also want to help and don't really know how to go about it, what you said was a great way to ask, how can I help you? Instead of, let me know if there's ever something I can do. That one is much more difficult. But how can I help you right now? That is a great way to ask someone yeah. who is in that situation. Yeah. Because let me know if there's ever anything. That, that's sort of like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, how can I help? What do you need? If there's something I can do, let yeah. me know. Right. How, how can I help you? How can I help yeah. you right now? Yeah. Or, or give me something to do this week. I don't want to sit idly by while I see you go through this. How yeah. can I this week do something? Maybe it's bring you a meal. Maybe yeah. it's pick up your kids from school. But what can I do this week? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you both for spending the time with us. It's an extraordinary inspiration to be with both of you, to be in this beautiful recording studio while you're recording another breathtaking album. And well, we'll see if this. it's breathtaking or not. <laughs> the, <laughs> studio thought, the studio is incredible. But yeah, yeah. It, it's sounding pretty good so far. And I think people are going to continue to be inspired, Walter, by your yeah. music and by the example you and Maurice set for how we can all move forward and lift people higher. Well, thank you very much. You're listening to the Blues Radio International Podcast. Blues Radio International would like to extend its congratulations to all of the 2022 Blues Music Award nominees. Visit blues.org today to become a member of the Blues Foundation and cast your vote. For Blues Radio International, I'm Audrey Michelle, and we'll see you on Beale.